This episode is brought to you by Asperion, the lipid management company, singularly focused on lipid management for everybody. We won't stop until every patient reaches their LDLC goal. Learn more at Asperion.com. From the American College of Cardiology, this is Dr. Kim Eagle, ACC.org Editor-in-Chief, with this week's Eagle's Eye View. This is your weekly cardiovascular update from ACC.org. I'm recording this on January 6th, 2020, and I wish uh, all of my listeners a happy new year. Today I've chosen three articles that were published in the past week or so that I think represent important aspects of cardiovascular practice. One is a paper uh, looking at the current value of fractional flow reserve in clinical practice, uh, some comparison of the wire-based method versus image-based computation. A very important update on the NOBLE trial. This is the randomized trial of PCI for left main disease versus cabbage, published in Lancet. And then the last article I want to talk about is a paper published in the Annals of Internal Medicine looking at the potential value of preoperative biomarkers to help predict uh, risk after non-cardiac surgery. So let's get started. The first paper is entitled Fractional Flow Reserve in Clinical Practice from wire-based invasive measurement to image-based computation. This is an excellent review. I recommend it to you. It was published in the European Heart Journal. As you know, invasive coronary wire-based FFR is routinely used for physiology-based coronary revascularization, and that's been a major advance in care, largely based on the FAME trial. Subsequently, quantitative flow ratio, I'm going to call it QFR, has emerged as an alternative to conventional FFR. You may recall that QFR uses 3D geometric reconstruction of conventional angiographic and intravascular images. The technology computes a surrogate for FFR. Angiographic and intravascular image quality is therefore, of course, critical to getting an accurate QFR measurement. A major challenge then with this is developing accurate boundary conditions reflecting the coronary blood flow dynamics. So diagnostic concordance between QFR and FFR is reduced in patients who have conditions such as microcirculatory dysfunction. This might be in a vessel supplying territories with a prior MI, for example. There's limited randomized data available currently correlating clinical outcome and QFR. A functional syntax score calculated by QFR was evaluated in retrospective analysis of the syntax 2 study patients, and it indicated a superior prediction of patient-oriented composite endpoints in patients with multivessel disease when compared to the classic uh, syntax score alone. The area under the curve was 0.68 versus 0.56. Currently, QFR is not validated for routine use, but if validated in ongoing clinical trials like FAVOR3, it might allow for hemodynamic assessment with the use of diagnostic angiography only. If you think about it, common scenarios where QFR might have increased utility would be in non-culprit vessel assessment in the setting of MI, where conventional FFR is considered unreliable. QFR would also enable hemodynamic assessment of the entire coronary tree easier without having to wire all three coronary territories in patients who have what appears to be three vessel disease. 
So it's a nice review, and I think it's relevant, particularly to our colleagues practicing in the cath lab as we consider the uh, technology around uh, quantitative flow reserve using non-invasive methods. That plays right into the next paper, which is the five-year outcomes of the randomized NOBLE trial. You may remember that the NOBLE trial was a prospective evaluation performed in 36 hospitals in nine northern European countries, and it asked the question whether left main coronary disease requiring revascularization would be better served with PCI versus cabbage. The primary endpoint was major adverse cardiac or cerebrovascular accident, a composite of all-cause mortality, non-procedural MI, repeat revascularization, and stroke. And the intent of the trial was a non-inferiority design where the authors were trying to prove that PCI was non-inferior to traditional treatment with cabbage. Other endpoints included all-cause mortality, non-procedure-related MI, and repeat revascularization. So it was a large trial. Patients were enrolled from 2008 to 2015, overall 1,200 patients in the trial, about 600 each to PCI versus cabbage. In the end, the five-year analysis included outcomes on 592 patients in each group. And at a median of uh, 4.9 years, the composite endpoint was 28% for PCI versus 19% for cabbage, and that difference was highly significant. Cabbage was found to be superior compared to PCI for the primary composite endpoint at a p-value less than a 0.001. All-cause mortality was the same, 9% PCI, 9% after cabbage. Cabbage appeared to reduce non-procedure-related MI, it was 8% in the PCI group versus 3% after cabbage. And revascularization was also improved with cabbage. It was 17% with PCI versus 10% with cabbage. Remember, in this trial, they enrolled patients with significant left main disease. They had to have a stenosis more than 50% or an FFR less than 0.8. The lesion could be in the coronary ostea, the midshaft, or the bifurcation and they had no more than three additional non-complex lesions. So certainly, if you want to look at this trial and look at the composite endpoint, at five years, cabbage appears to be superior to PCI. Contrary-wise, if you simply ask the question, what about cardiovascular mortality? They appeared to be similar and relatively low, 9% at uh, five years. This is an important trial, obviously, really one of the important trials that established the, the potential for PCI to be useful in certain patients with left main disease. And the five-year outcomes, I think, speak for themselves. Uh, let me then finish with a very interesting paper published this week in Annals of Internal Medicine. It looked at preoperative and terminal pro-BNP natriuretic peptide in cardiovascular events after non-cardiac surgery. This was a subpopulation analysis from the VISION trial that enrolled almost 19,000 patients from 16 centers in nine countries who were undergoing major non-cardiac surgery. And the investigators analyzed the question, what was the value of preoperative NT pro-BNP levels in determining cardiovascular risk? And you may remember in the VISION trial, all of the subjects had troponin T or high-sensitivity cardiac troponins measured at 612 and then hours and then days one through three. And the primary outcome was a composite of myocardial injury and vascular mortality. 
And the myocardial injury group included both clinical MI and also individuals who simply had myocardial injury based on troponin elevation. Then the authors looked at the optimum NT-proBNP thresholds for determining performance and improving a model of predictive risk, essentially adding that threshold to standard revised cardiac risk indice prediction. In the proportional model, an NT-proBNP of less than 100 picograms per mL is a reference group. That group had a 5.2 incidence of the primary composite perioperative endpoint. In the groups then with thresholds of 100 to 199, 200 to 1499, and then greater than 1500 picograms per mL, the hazard ratios were 12.3, 20.1, and 37.5%. These would be a hazard ratios then of 2.27, 3.63, and 5.82. And the authors concluded that if you added the anti-proBNP thresholds to the revised cardiac risk index, that the predictive ability to assess risk was improved. We've been searching for the use of biomarkers in perioperative care. And this is a, a very well-done study in a very large number of subjects. So it goes without saying that it adds to our knowledge base for sure. The real question that continues to be, I think, somewhat vexing is if we find elevations of high-sensitivity troponin and or natriuretic peptide levels, for example, what is the therapeutic imperative for us, and how do we weave that into clinical decision-making? And certainly, until we have more data about therapy, it remains to be seen just what the value of this is in clinical practice. But I think the literature clearly is growing in this space, and we certainly need trials that incorporate biomarkers in perioperative medicine to better understand how we want to weave these into our daily practice. So I've reviewed today three articles that I thought were relevant to your practice. One looks at uh, the use of quantitative fractional flow reserve versus traditional FFR, the five-year endpoint analysis of Noble. That's the study of cabbage versus PCI for left main. And lastly, this really interesting article looking at preoperative N-terminal pro-BNP as a predictive tool in non-cardiac surgery. I want to thank you for listening to Eagle's Eye View. I want to wish you a very happy new year. This is your weekly cardiovascular update from acc.org. These articles you can find online. Also, the uh, journal scans and clinical trial summaries are there. And I hope that all of you have a great week. And I'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you very much.